Discover personally how the Word of God can affect and make a change in your life through the ministry of Pastor Alistair. Pastor Alistair is the founder of Jesus Christ Ministry International Church with multiple branches in South Africa. He's an evangelist with an outreach ministry called Jesus Saviour of the World, bringing healing and deliverance and breakthrough to many people. Jesus Christ Ministry International is a vibrant church with young, energetic people full of zeal and fire for the Lord. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel to receive messages every week. Now let's listen to Pastor Alistair. Tonight, I know with the rain and everything, we do have weather Christians, so that's fine. We, I think we've learned to accept that when it rains, that certain people just don't come to church, amen? And it's not even because, it's at the moment the rain comes down in the morning and you hear the sound of the rain, you already tell yourself in your head, hey, I don't feel like I'm going to make it to church today. But I tell you something that God is good, amen? Uh, is that Maurice, amen? Maurice, hey, God bless you so much, amen. How's your husband? He's here in church. Hey, Vanessa, how are you doing? Are you well? God bless you so much. Nice to see you, amen. We've been praying for you, hallelujah. And he's in church, praise God, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Somebody came to me in the week, and just stand up for me one minute, please. Just stand up. Somebody came to me in the week, and they spoke a word to me. And they said to me, they, when they saw Maurice, your message in the group about that he wasn't well and stuff and he was in hospital, they said that the Lord spoke to them. He's not here today. I would, I, would, I would have asked him to tell you. He said that the Lord spoke to him. He says that God is going to use you mightily in the kingdom of God. And he says, the situation and what happened to you, he says, may it draw you deeper and closer and he said he has never ever seen you in his life. But he says the Lord placed you in his heart that you are going to be used mightily in the kingdom of God. And I believe that as well. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He says, he even says, Pastor, you will see him in church very soon. And there you're in church. Hallelujah. God bless you so much. Amen. Amen. Can you put some gain on this mic? Amen. Are you in Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews 12 verses 15. How many of us are enjoying the series of backsliding? Yeah. Amen. It's, it's been very, very good. I want to talk to you about bitterness today. Look at somebody and say bitterness. I think in everybody's life there has been a level of bitterness that you, you've had or you've encountered. Amen. And we're going to try and deal with that today. Amen. Let's say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that we can come to your word. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your word will bless us. We pray, O oh God, that there will be a transformation and that there will be a change in our lives. We come up against every spirit, O oh God, that is attached to us, that wants us to backslide. We declare that we will not backslide in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hebrews 12, verses 15. Let me get there. Amen. We discussed the first part of it. Now we're going to discuss the second part of Hebrews 12 verses 15. So the scripture says, Looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, thereby many being defiled. Many people have been defiled because of the root of bitterness that creeps up in somebody's life. Now, you must understand that the definition of bitterness is being unhappy or treated or you feel like you've been treated unfairly. So whenever somebody is being treated unfairly, what happens when you don't deal with the situation immediately? Bitterness starts to develop on the inside of you. This is in relation to church. It's in relation to family. It's relation to colleagues. It's in, in any form of relationship. Because you must understand something that bitterness, when it comes, 
it comes through the form of somebody. You understand? So that's why the scripture says, uh, woe to anyone that offends you, trouble to anybody who the offenses come through. You understand? So it, you sometimes are justified in your treatment or you are justified being treated unfairly in your own eyes. You understand? So when somebody says, I've been treated unfairly, nobody can dismiss their feelings. Right? It's how they feel in that moment. Regardless of how you feel that you have treated the individual, your feelings is not so important in that moment because you want feeling that you, treat, you were treated unfairly. They felt that they were treated unfairly. So you have to recognize first, they, are, you have to recognize, sorry, their feelings and how they felt within that moment. Because they felt they were treated unfairly. And if you ignore their treatment, or if you ignore how they feel, what would start to happen? A root of bitterness will start to enter inside of them. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody? And you, for the life of God, you don't understand what you've done. But the person is mad and angry at you. Oh, yes. You, you're looking at yourself like, what did I do? Why, why are you mad and angry? Something happened. They felt that you have treated them unfairly. Even though you know that you never treat anybody unfairly. However, in that moment, their feelings are important. Because if their feelings are not dealt with or are in check, roots of bitterness can enter inside of them, and the scripture says that they can be defiled. You understand what I'm saying? Remember I told you years ago, when I was in church, I was ushering, and uh, I was lifting up my hands in worship, and I was lifting up my hands in worship. I didn't know that I never greet this lady in the usher room. Because in, in, at DCC, you go into an usher room, right? And you have to pray first. But I didn't notice, you know, the general hello to everybody and stuff was, hello, guys, that's greeting everybody. Not specifically, hello, Pastor Ramon, hello, Cassidy, hello, Pastor Tess. You know, it wasn't that. Hey, guys, how's it? But this lady felt like I want, I never notice her or I never greet her. So there we are in the ushering room, and now it's time for worship. I'm worshiping, I'm ushering, my hands are lifted up, and I'm worshiping the Lord. I'm enjoying myself, I'm enjoying the presence of the Lord. But this lady is zondering me. Can I say zonder? Is that okay? She's looking at me with, uh, with some, some eyes, you understand? And she's like maybe plotting me in a sense of thinking, how can I deal with this person? So as worship is going on, the word is going on, Pastor Johnny announces the benediction. We pray, finish. You know, now the ushers have to make sure that everything's in order in your aisle and because you were in charge of aisles. So your aisles are in order. The seats are pushed backwards and the envelopes are picked up. So I finish through that. As I'm walking out, the sister comes. You! Loud. And I'm shocked now. Who you think you are, yeah? You just put your hands in my face while worshiping. You rude. You I got a shock. Because now I didn't expect that. Because I didn't know that I offended her. I didn't know that I, I, I hurt her in some form of way. I was unaware of it. But her reaction showed me that she was hurt. And that she was offended. I could have dismissed it and said... Your feelings are not so much important. Me, I never do nothing to you. So I don't want to hear your story because I never do nothing to you. And that's how some of us react. Is that true? Okay, no, you're Christians. So you don't act like that, right? Okay, cool. So some of us act like that. Why? Because even though they are telling us, sometimes we don't like to hear when we hurt somebody. We don't. You know, the truth is sometimes a hard pill to swallow. Because in your mind, you are thinking, I'm not like that. But the person felt like that. And sometimes they are justified in how they are feeling. Or they, because they feel that they are not right. Unless somebody, you sit down and talk with them. So this lady, I saw that she was angry, Leroy. So I did the Christian thing to do was, Hey, Ma, I called her Ma. Hey, Ma, I'm so sorry. I didn't really mean to do it. 
I, I, I didn't know that that was happening. And I spoke to her and she was okay with me. And we developed a relationship afterwards. Now you see how bitterness starts to enter. Bitterness enters through offense. Right? I'm not talking about offense today. I'm talking about backsliding. Bitterness enters through offense. So when you are offended, we, the scripture talks about it, and years ago you would always hear pre, uh, preachers preach, if you are offended, get over it. Have you heard of that thing? If you're offended, get over it. And there's a reason why you must get over your offense. There's a reason why you must deal with your offense. There's a reason why that you must take your offense, feel what you are feeling, squash it up, and throw it away. So that the root of bitterness doesn't enter inside of you. Because bitterness is a dangerous and it's a very deadly thing. Yes, very dangerous and very deadly. So, I was talking to somebody recently. Uh, she came to the office and she was having a conversation with me. And she said to me, Pastor, I, in my mind I decided that I'm leaving the church. She said those words to me. I said, what happened? She says that somebody told her that somebody was talking about her. But you see, the challenge in her case was that she never approached the person that was speaking about her. She was told that somebody was speaking about her, but she never approached the person. So she was walking in church, serving God, worshiping God, but not having to approach the person that she feels hurt her feelings and offended her. So she was sitting in church with all of that on the inside of her. So you can imagine when she saw the person, her reaction when she saw. She said, there were times where I wanted to physically hit the person. But she doesn't know whether what she heard was true. Have you ever been so bitter with somebody that you wanted to hit them? Oh, somebody... You say, hey, if I can just be in a room with this person, I know I'm saved. I'll pull my stockings up. I, I know I'm saved, but in that moment, you, you don't mess with me. Why? Because you are bitter in that moment. That person said something, done something. So she was like that. She said she wants to finish the person off. I was like, wow. I said, this is serious, my sister. I said, have you approached the sister? She says, No. And I said, why? She says, I realized that what I had on the inside of me was bitterness. First, I was offended and I was bitter based on not what the person has done to me. Because the person, she realized that the person never do it, never say it. Not what the person has done to me. But the way I, was res I responded because I felt in that moment I was treated unfairly. Do you know that you are responsible for your own actions. Yeah. So, most of the times we say, this person caused me to do it. Absolutely not. You are responsible for your own actions. So, even if I talk about Pastor Ramon, how I react on what Pastor Ramon said, I'm responsible for that. His words, he's responsible for what came out of his mouth. But I'm responsible for how I react. That's why I say if you are in a situation where maybe, especially for those that are couples and married and stuff, because you would find out that there are even married couples that are dealing with bitterness and offense from certain things that happened long time ago. And that could be very detrimental to the marriage and to the relationship. Because if offense and bitterness is not dealt with, you carry that for many, many years. And what happens, your, your, your marriage is like a gangrene. You follow what I'm saying? Why? Because of bitterness and because of offense. So you find out in that situation, regardless of how Leroy might talk to promise, promise is responsible for how she responds to Leroy. Oh, you must come tonight, guys. You definitely must come tonight when I have Sister Sandra come and talk to us about marriage. Yes. And if you're single, you must come. If you're in a relationship, you must come. 
Just we're going, it's going to be a couch session. We're going to put some couches here and we're going to ask questions and you are allowed to ask some questions as well. Amen. Hallelujah. But the, the angle that we are looking for, I'll, I'll tell you tonight. All right. Just quiet. So you would find that how you respond in it is extremely important because if you respond in a negative way, what happens? You are building bitterness inside of you towards the individual. That's why some women can, some women when they're offended by their partners, they cannot talk to them for many days. You understand? It's not even like you're trying to heal in the days. It's been, you've been offended. Can I, can I teach today? You've been offended and now what has happened? Bitterness is starting to enter on the inside of you. I was counseling a married couple. She says, I said, so go back and have sex with your husband. Yes, I said, go back and have sex with your husband. She says, I can't even be in the same room with him. Yes. Why? Because there was offense and bitterness went to the point where she doesn't want to be in the same room. She sleeps in the child's room. You understand what I'm trying to say? Offense and bitterness. So if it's not dealt with in that moment, she will carry it. She will carry it. She will carry it. There you think the couple is happy and fine. And then all of a sudden, the bitterness is still there. She'll start to react. So you are responsible for how you react. I was responsible in that moment on how I was to react towards that person. So back to the sister that I was talking to that wanted to eat this other sister. She said because she was bitter, she said that this is how she felt. But what happened? The bitterness caused her to not want to be in the same presence or to fellowship or to even think, if this is how Christians act, I don't want to be saved. Or you think that, oh, that's an excuse. For some people, they, that's why I say people's feelings are extremely important. Even though you might feel like it's an excuse because maybe you are at a certain maturity level. But for somebody that's not at the maturity level that she is at, she was hurt and she wants, she was nearly backsliding. She fell away. Why? Because bitterness now. She doesn't want to pray. She doesn't want to fellowship. She doesn't want to come to church because of bitterness. How many of us have ever been offended by the church before? Oh, yes. And when you are offended by the church, it makes you feel like you don't want to worship God. It's like your prayer life changes. Everything changes. You don't want to come to church. You are on the process of backsliding because of bitterness that is on the inside of you. It's a process. I'm not saying you backslidden, but it's a process of you backsliding. So it's important that you deal with your bitterness so that you don't backslide. Because as a Christian, look at your fellow Christian and say, my brother, my sister, deal with your bitterness. Yes. And that's why for me, when I, when I was preaching about gossip, I don't understand it. I can't get it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. As a born-again Christian, as a believer, you would make up stories about another believer that are not true. You would gossip about somebody. Come on, man. Catch a wake-up. It's serious. I don't get it. So I was talking to somebody, and I was saying to them, if you don't see the need for salvation in somebody else, I question if you are really saved. I question if you are really saved. You truly can't be converted if you don't see that somebody else needs Christ. You don't see that somebody could die and go to hell, but you don't feel compelled or the need to witness or to tell them about God. I question your salvation. I question your salvation. I question if you understand the importance and the relevance of you actually being saved. So imagine in that moment you gossip about somebody, you lie about somebody, you make up stories about somebody, you chase somebody out of the church and that person can go back into the world and you don't see a problem with that. The Bible says you must have a milestone around your neck and you must be cast into the ocean. A rock, imagine a rock around your neck and you must be in the ocean because you can cause the little ones to fall away. I don't want to be responsible personally for anyone going to hell. Imagine me. I'm responsible for this person going to hell. 
God, God will hold me accountable for it. So the next time you want to gossip about somebody, understand that the gossip that comes out of your mouth could send somebody to hell. Because you hurt them in that moment, they backslid in that moment, and you don't know when they could get knocked or they could die. And you were responsible. Imagine somebody, <laughs> imagine, Pastor Ramon is serious, imagine somebody, Brother Charles coming to you and saying, oh, you hearing, that person's not coming to church because of you and what you did and what you said to them. Now the person's drinking and partying and getting wild because of what you did. Shame on us. Shame on us called the church. Shame on us called Christians. I question our salvation. I question whether we are truly saved because there are higher things to worry about. There are deeper things to attain in God than to sit and have a conversation with somebody else and talk about somebody else. And, and I know you, you, we are very sly about it. I've seen people that are extremely sly have an appearance that I don't gossip, I don't talk about people, but are dangerous. Those are the people you must watch out for. Yes, dangerous and sly, snakes withering. You must watch out. Because that spirit is, is, it's attractive. It just drops on one, goes to another, goes to one, goes to another. If you know somebody in the church that gossip, I'm giving you permission now. Stay away from them. Is that good news? I mean, cut yourself loose from them. Don't want to be in the same presence as them. Sly. I mean, Personally, it's like I get irritated. I get irritated. Because it's not even like you say something true. You say false things. What she says, what she says. Yes, false. If it's true, oh yes, if it's true, yes. If it's true, so what if it's true, yes. You shouldn't even mention it. Pardon? Go to the sister, yes. You, you should not even discuss, you see somebody falling away. You should not even discuss somebody falling away with anybody. Just go to them first. Or if you're taking somebody, say, hey, bro, I want us to go and visit the person. You don't even need to tell them about the story along the way. Yeah. Because when you go to the person, you're not going to say, hey, I heard you on drugs, or I heard you like this, or I heard you like that. Just keep quiet about it. And especially if you know, hey, man, I tell you, and I must say, I must say, we think, I know majority of gossip comes through ladies, right? Wait, 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 now, wait, now, wait, now. Major, wait, majority, I'm not, I'm, majority of the gossip comes through ladies. But men are as bad as well. But majority of the gossip comes through ladies. I've witnessed brothers that are gossipers. Yes, I've witnessed it. Brothers are also gossipers, it's true. Am I right, Annabelle? The brothers are gossipers? Yeah. Oh, she's saying they're the worst, they're the worst. So it means that the ladies gossip based on the information that the brothers tell them. These days. <laughs> okay, ladies, we'll, we'll, we'll have an argument about that another time, right? So what am I trying to say is that we, we see that spirit and it likes to pick up its head in the church. And the reason why it picks up its head in the church is to get somebody to backslide. You see, Satan is not so much worried about getting outside forces to come and attack us. Satan is so concerned about getting us fighting amongst each other. Amen, I tell you, it's hard for Christians to agree. It's hard for believers to come together in agreement on anything. So our fight is not, you see, they can talk about our church outside there. It does nothing to us. But when somebody from the church rises up from us and talks about us, that becomes a challenge and a fight. 
So Satan knows how to cripple us. He doesn't cripple us from outside the text. He cripples us from inside of the church. So that's why Jesus said to the disciples, one of you is the devil. Not one from outside. One from amongst you is the devil. So in church, we got somebody here. Look at your neighbor and say, are you the devil? Are you the devil? He says, one of you, one of you is the devil. Yes. Even in your family, do you know, one family member is the devil. Yes. Might be a mother-in-law. Oh, It might be a brother or a sister-in-law or a father-in-law. But one is the devil. Yes. Because whenever the enemy wants to do something in your life, he attacks you from within your circle. Doesn't attack you from outside. He never, that's, that's not his, Satan doesn't fight fair. Brother Charles, so what if somebody from outside talks about you? Are you worried? Uh, people talk, right? His sister Sandra talks about you. Yes. His heart will be broken. Why? Because it happened from within. We call it the fifth column. Remember I preached about that? Right. So once that happens, so because I've learned that Christians are scared to talk to each other when somebody says that this one's talking about you. Yes. Oh, yes, the person even came to me. They said, there's one sister in the church that nobody likes. They just don't like her. And it's the reason why they don't like her is because they think that she's my favorite. Hey. I got so much favorites, I tell you something. Everyone's my favorites. Yes. So they said, she thinks that she's my favorites. Hey, Pastor, that's your favorites. Yes. Not you, Pastor. Yes. <laughs> somebody else. Some, I remember your, your one, and then I down somebody else. Somebody else is my favorite. So I got, so I jump from favorites now. You know more my favorites. You my favorite, you my favorite, you my favorite, you my favorite. Yes. Like Shanice, oh Shanice, hey, hope nobody attacks you. Last night Shanice says, Don't I'm pastors, I'm the favorite daughter. Yes. So Shanice, you're my favorite, hallelujah. Hope nobody attacks you, okay? If they attack you, just save us if they attacking me. Alright. So you understand? And the reason why she said this here to me, she says that it's because people they hear the word of God like we were talking about with backsliding, they believe for a while. They say amen when I talk about gossip. They say amen when I talk about backbiting. They say amen. They believe for a while and the word of God touches their hearts and they tell themselves in that moment that they are not going to do it. They come out of church, but when they come out of church, that word that was spoken to them about gossip and backsliding leaves them and then they do the exact same thing that they were told not to do. The person has backslidden. There's one thing, there's one thing that God hates. It's in Proverbs, and I'm going to show you just now. God hates a lying tongue. Oh, there's a lot of things that he hates in Proverbs. Seven things, I think it is Proverbs says. That he hates a lying tongue. One that and one that uh, causes harm. Look at your neighbor and say, Stop being a liar. I don't even know why I'm mentioning this today. But I'm saying to you on a serious note. Very, very serious. Guys, avoid the gossip. Avoid the talking. Why I'm saying this here is because people are becoming bitter inside. And they're going to backslide and leave church. Because of some person that was acting in the flesh. Some person that is not spiritual. Some person that is backslidden. What's so hard to come together and talk about the word? Some person is backslidden and they cause somebody now to backslide and not come to church. Why? Because of the root of bitterness. And some people don't know how to deal with bitterness, Ricardo. They just know how to carry that bitterness throughout their lives. Thank you so much. They know how to carry that bitterness throughout their lives. Stop being bitter. If your father did something to you, don't be bitter towards your father. If your husband did something to you, don't be bitter towards your husband. If your friend did something to you, don't be bitter towards your friend. 
deal with that, heal with it, so that you can grow and so that you can become a better Christian. Are you following what I'm trying to say? Because bitterness, the Bible says here in Hebrews 12, uh, 13, Hebrews 13 verses 15, or 12 verses 15, many have been defiled because of bitterness. So if you want to backslide, if you want to fall away from God, whoever offended you, allow that bitterness to grow. But if you don't want to fall away from God, if you don't want to backslide, allow yourself to heal from what people have done to you. Allow yourself to heal from what people have done to you. The beginning I said, how you respond is on you. How they respond is on them. So watch how you react towards certain things. And especially if you come and tell me something, if you tell me something, and I tell you something, there's no need for this conversation, that conversation, to go outside of us. Let it settle and let it be dealt with here, right here. You understand what I'm trying to say? Why am I saying this here? It's because once you start to move in that way, in that direction, I'm telling you something, it will affect your growth and it will affect your life. Imagine coming to church, you see a person that you know gossips about you. In your heart, look how they're worshiping God. It's affecting your worship. They, they, they all spiritual jumping in the front and, and bitterness, when you are bitter, to talk about that person is like water running out, water running from a tap. If somebody needs to attack that person, you there with your knife as well. You also attacking that person. Why? Because you are bitter. And bitterness has entered into your heart and has caused you to backslide. So there was a doctor, I think I shared it with you, he hit his toe on the furniture. When he hit his toe on the furniture, he was extremely in pain. But now because he has sugar diabetes, and with sugar diabetes, a lot of sicknesses and a lot of wounds tend to heal very long. So his toes started to, to grow. So he went to go visit the doctor, and the doctor said, if we don't cut off this toe, your whole leg, we have to amputate your whole leg. Because this sore has manifested into like a gangrene. So if we cut it off now, before it grows and it becomes big and it goes throughout the body, we can save your leg. It's your leg or your toe. And he opted for his toe. So that's why he had no big toe. So it looks strange that somebody had no big toe. But the story behind him not having a big toe was because that which happened to him, that hurt that he felt could have manifested and been something greater but he dealt it with in the beginning. As a pastor as well, in the beginning when I started ministry, if anybody tells you that I had it easy they lying to you. I had it extremely hard when I started ministry and I shared some of those things how I had it hard. People that I love left me. People that I know and it wasn't even like I want, I just still, I just still wanted to talk. I still just wanted to have friends. I still wanted to have fellowship, but everybody left me. Everybody. Pastors didn't want to associate with me. I would make meetings. Nobody would come. It would just be me and my family. Nobody would come, just me alone. In that moment, I could have built offense and bitterness to all the pastors that disregarded me, to all the pastors that rejected me, to all the pastors that said this about me, gossiped about me, lied about me, made rumors about me, and I know them, I could have built that inside of my heart. But I never react in that way. Up until today, they come to me now and they talk, but I never ever once mentioned, I remember you spoke like this. Because bitterness, what it does, it sometimes causes you to isolate yourself from everybody else. Now, the enemy wants to put you in isolation. But there's never ever a time where isolation is good for you. Unless you are going in isolation because of prayer and spending time with God. You're following what I'm trying to say? Isolation is good in that sense. 
But to isolate yourself from people because people are funny, that's the work of the enemy to try and get you into a place where you can get depressed, where you can feel you are not loved, where you can feel that you are not special, where God does not value you. Why? Because you are alone now. And when you are alone, there's all things. And there's no one that can ever be successful alone. No one. You, you can try it. You need people. You need people. As a church, there's no, that, there's no way that we can be successful alone. That's why when you, when you look at uh, Bishop Dagg's books and stuff, it's, it's we, have, we have supports. We, we, have, we have people that are cheering us on. There are people in Ghana that are saying, we see that the church is growing. There are people that are looking at us and saying, I, I watch you when you preach. Continue, brother. Continue. Let the church continue to grow. Why? Because there's no way that me and you can do anything alone and be successful. That's why when you when you send when you when we send pastors out, you would find that even with Bishop Dad, most of the pastors when they go out, they tend to try and do things alone. And when you try and do it alone, you 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 won't make it. So bitterness causes you to do that. Yes, bitterness causes you to do that. And when that is settled on the inside of you, isolate you. And that isolation is terrible for you. Very terrible for you. Bishop Dag said when he first started as a pastor, he says that nobody showed up to his meetings. He would have pastors' conferences. Nobody would show up. No pastors. He said he was married. He invited many pastors to his wedding. And when it's time when in the ceremony where they called the pastors to lay hands on the couple, he says there was no pastor, not one of them present. He said it could have offended him. It could have hurt him. It could have actually missed his connections with other pastors. But he never allowed that bitterness to grow in his life. Because you can't do it alone. So the enemy wants to isolate you. And the enemy wants you to think that you will not make it. And do you know majority of the time, and my last point, and then we'll get to the next one. Let me see what's my time. Okay, I've got five minutes. I don't think I'll get to the next one. But... There was, at, there was a time that most, sorry, most of the times when people leave church, and we can, we can calculate this for over a long period of years, when people leave church, majority of the times people leave church, Lyndon, it's because they've been offended. Okay, now you're quiet. Yeah. Some people will give the excuse that the Spirit of the Lord took me out. Or the spirit of, but majority of the time, majority, majority, majority of the time, people leave because they're offended. Yeah, majority of the time. It will be rare that you'll find somebody leaving not because of offense. You understand? Unless they, and I, I want to say this too as well. Some people leave, they say, I'm not growing there. And we always say the story that you can't grow only on a Sunday. Sunday is too little for you to grow. You need Monday, you need Tuesday, you need Wednesday, you need Thursday, you need Friday, you need Saturday. So you say, oh, you come to church on Sunday only and you feel like you're not growing. Aye, something's wrong, guys. You understand? So that can't be your excuse. It's either there was an offense. So there was a young man that came and he says, the Lord said to me that I must come and I must join this church. An anointed somebody and stuff. And you could see the gifts of God and stuff. He said, I came to learn. I came to grow. I came to, you know, just to develop myself spiritually and move forward in God. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, no problem. So it's like, what was the real reason you left the church? Yes, what was the real reason you left the church? And as he started to discuss, and he started to, you find out that the real reason that he left the church was because he was offended. So even though it might come to the point of, yay, but offense, but it's your responsibility. Offense will come. You will be offended. But don't allow that offense to turn into bitterness. Deal with that offense so that you don't backslide, so that you don't fall away. 
I don't know if you have been blessed by this. I really don't know if you have been blessed by this. My 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 understanding of this whole thing is that when you allow bitterness in your heart, you are not backslidden. You are on the process of backsliding. Yes. I'm telling you, Leroy, it's so serious and we don't understand how serious it is. That's why I'm saying to you and I'm pleading with you through God's grace and God's mercy, don't talk about your fellow brothers and your fellow sisters. Don't be the number one reason that somebody becomes bitter. Don't. Remember I said in the beginning, how they feel, most of the times they are justified with how they feel. Uh, and I found out that even in, in, can I say this before we go? That even in relationships, when somebody is offended or somebody is hurt in a relationship, a person says, hey, I feel like you never notice me. I feel like you are like this. That person that feels like that, their feelings are real. Don't ignore how they feel. Because once you start to ignore how they feel, you're going to do it again. And then they're going to say, I feel like this. And then you start to ignore how they feel. And you're going to do it again. And then what's going to happen inside of them? Bitterness is going to enter inside of them. When you talk to them, they're going to look past you. And what would happen? The love that they're supposed to have for you. The excited love. Where they would do stuff for you. They'll iron your clothes. Polish your shoes. Kiss you. Rub your bum every time they walk past you. The nice things you understand. You know what I'm talking about. You start to find out that you, they no more do that. Slowly it's dying. Slowly it's not there. Slowly. One of the reasons is there was offense and it's turning into bitterness. So the first love that they had for you, they are now backslidden in their love. They backslid. There are marriages that backslide. There are relationships that backslide. You don't see it as backsliding, but it's backsliding. Backsliding is not doing what you were doing at first and you've chosen to do something else. So I want you to check your relationships, check your marriages, and see if there was offense that was initiated or started that the first love that this person had for you when you first married them, and they don't have the same love for you, that's either my brother or my sister, or in a relationship or whatever, you are not catching a wake up. That person has been offended by you. And the defense is overwhelming them. To the point when you tell them to make you coffee, you know where the kettle is. Oh, I'm tired now. Can you do it yourself, please? That person in their heart, they have backslidden towards their love towards you. Are you I, don't know, I don't think you'll follow in what I'm trying to say. They have backslidden. But now you don't see that they are backslidden. You feel like they're just acting some way. I come on, man, you must mature now. You must behave. You're not behaving right person has backslidden. Why? Because there was an offense. Now offense, it might happen one time, but when, when it comes to marriages and relationships, you allow it to happen the second time because you want to stay with the person, right? You allow it to happen the third time because you want to stay with the person or the fourth time. But then there's a time where your heart becomes so overwhelmed of the speaking and speaking and speaking where that affection and that love and there's nothing, sometimes there's nothing that anybody can do that can restore that. It, it is what it is now. You look at somebody and say, it is what it is. Yes. However though, according to the scripture, is there still hope? Absolutely yes. What does the Bible say in Revelation? Return and do what you did at first. 
So if you, if you rub the board, if you took her out to Nando's, take her out to Nando's. If you prayed with her, prayed with her. If you took her out to Anur, I don't know if, you know some of us, we migrate from uh, Nando's and Spur. Hey, babes, let's go to Anur. We'll just, we'll call now and we'll just get our chicken ticker for supper. We should for chicken and do your eyebrows same time while you're there, right? So, so while you're doing your eyebrows, I'll order and we can go. So you, you understand what I'm saying? It's that what has happened to you is that somehow you have backslidden. If he bought you roses every single week or every single time, if he messaged you almost every single day without fail, without, you know, there's somehow that something has happened. There was a, there's an offense. It's either married people that you have not had sex with him. Oh, yes, so quiet. Yes. You had not had sex with him for a while, so now the messages are not frequent as they're supposed to be. Because he is offended by you. He is hurt by you. And slowly, his love is backsliding. He's backsliding. He's, oh, I wish I'm talking to some people there. He's backsliding. You used to say to her, she's looking nice. Oh, baby, you're sexy. Oh, you dress oh, lovely. Now he comes, wear, wear what you want to wear. It's okay. Wear what you want to wear. It's okay. You're looking okay. You're looking okay. Somehow, his love for you is backsliding. Because there's been an offense. Like now, before your dressing was important to him. Now your dressing is no more important to him. When you do your hair, it's like, mm, one thing, I'm married, a beauty, hey, your hair's looking nice. Now you do your hair, there's no even comment about how nice your hair looks. She's wearing a took one way or whatever. There's no even, there's no even comments. You don't even feel like you are now blessed. Mm. You know when you, when you caught in her, you feel like you chase after, you feel like, you know, and then after a while, you don't feel like you're blessed now. You don't feel like she's a blessing to you anymore. You are backsliding in your relationship. And partners, it might be because there was offense. So don't just think it happens gradually. Sit them down. What did I do to hurt you? Talk to me. And men, can I say when a woman sits you down and talks to you and tells you, this is your problem, don't say it's not my problem. It is your problem. Okay. I think I'm in the wrong church. I should, I should be in another church. Am I supposed to be in another church or something? Yes. Because... Even women, the same verse visor. It's the vice versa. What verse visor? Vice versa. Need for speed. All right. So anyway, so when that happens, take, acknowledge your error. Acknowledge your mistake. Acknowledge your role in her unhappiness. Acknowledge your role in his unhappiness and don't backslide. Same ones with your relationship with God. Acknowledge your role in you not having the desire to pray. In you not wanting to spend time with God. Don't just ignore it as something that just happens. Because it's important that you acknowledge it. Failure to acknowledge it, you won't recognize it and change it. Alright? If you think you are still standing and you are backslidden a long time, you won't do nothing to reignite your fire because you think you're still standing. Let's stand to our feet, amen. I think that I think that we are in a season you know that for us as a church, as a church, even for my own personal life, 2023 
has been some, some, some stuff, I tell you. 2022, sorry, has been some stuff. It's been some extreme challenges, some extreme difficulties. And I can tell you as your pastor, and I'm not scared to say it, in everything that has happened to me and has happened, in a sense, even though I showed up and even though I preached and even though I ministered, when I was talking to the Lord the other day, it seems like there's some parts of me that I feel because of what has happened. And that's why I teach you like this. And that's why I minister such practical stuff for you. Because even me personally, I feel like there was some time where I feel like I've backslidden. Yes. Not backslidden in terms of partying, drinking, blah, blah, blah. I feel like I've back, even though I show up and I preach to you, I feel like there was some time where my, because of everything that is, that is going on, I feel like in terms of my relationship with God, my connection that I had with him, I feel like, there was, so when I was praying the other day, and the Lord said to me, make sure you don't focus on anything else that is happening around you. Focus on the ministry. Focus on preaching my word. Focus on your relationship with me. And do well with that. Do well with that. Make sure you do well with that. Go deeper in my presence. Make sure you do well with that. He says that the things that are happening around you, it's not going to affect you anymore. He says, remember I said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. Then I said, feed my sheep. Yes. Greatest thing that you would ever do for God is to love God regardless of what happens in your life. Greatest thing. Yes. We say, Keisha, God is over everything. We say it. How many of us say that? God first. God first. We lift up our hands. God first. But when the test comes, when your emotions are involved, can God still be first? So somehow I felt like with me, I felt like there was like a backslidden because my focus was on getting things sorted out and my focus wasn't so much, so much, so much, so much like it used to be on him. But refocus, realignment and restoration. Hallelujah. Because even there were times like even this morning, I felt like there was there was like a a break. And why why I felt like there was a break, it's like most of the times when I would come and stand and I would try to hear his voice, like for a prophetic word or for something, or to see in the spirit, it was like I was locked. For a while, I don't know if you noticed, but for a while there hasn't been anything like that. So I felt like there was that there was that blockage. I couldn't see, I, I couldn't hear. I, I, so that's why when I say to you, I feel like a backslidden. It's because it's like I couldn't see for a while. I couldn't hear for a while. I felt like, but this morning, after he spoke to me that day, I felt like there was something that just opened up. 